Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate directly to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have several other podcasts out there. I have Canadian History X, Pucks and Cups, Canada's Great War, and Coast to Coast. And I do all these podcasts full-time. The writing, the research, the editing, everything. So, every doll you give helps keep it all going. And I'll make sure I thank you on the air and throw my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Bairdo37. You can also find weekly YouTube videos at youtube.com slash C slash CanadianHistoryX. And I have hundreds of articles about Canada's history and every transcript of every episode on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. When the Liberals fell to third place in the House of Commons, they gave up their opposition status. That spot was taken by the New Democratic Party, which had ridden an orange wave in Quebec to become the official opposition for the first time in its history. At the head of that party was one of the most popular politicians in recent memory, Jack Layton. The story of Jack Layton begins on July 18, 1950 in Montreal. The son of Robert Layton, a Quebec liberal, politics was something always around Layton as he grew up in nearby Hudson, a largely Anglophone community in Quebec. Layton's father was Gilbert Layton, who served as a minister without a portfolio in the Quebec legislature. His great-granduncle, William Steves, was a father of confederation, and his great-grandfather was Philip Layton, who founded the Montreal Association for the Blind. During Layton's time in high school, he would serve as the president of the Students' Union, and the yearbook predicted he would become a politician. As a young man, he would spend a lot of time at the Hudson Yacht Club, where his parents owned an 18-foot boat. At the time, Hudson was three-quarters Anglophone, and French-speaking families were not allowed in the club. Layton would eventually become the club's junior commodore, and he used this position to fix this inequality after seeing French children cooling off in the polluted river. Layton would begin to go through the rule book to find out why the French kids couldn't come to the club pool. He would say in 2011, quote, Buried in the rules was that everybody can bring one guest except the junior commodore, who can bring more than one. No limit was prescribed. So every kid who wasn't a member, I signed in. End quote. The next day, Layton was called to the club and given a dressing down by management. He would say, quote, I was scared, but I was upset because I thought they were judging these French kids. End quote. Management then threatened to terminate the youth club and Layton would respond, quote, You can't disband it, we're cancelling it. End quote. From 1969 to 1970, he served as the Prime Minister of the Quebec Youth Parliament, and at one point he and a friend went to Alberta for the National Youth Parliament. They then cashed in their return tickets, hitchhiked to Vancouver and slept in Stanley Park before hitchhiking home. Back in 1969, Layton would also marry his high school sweetheart, Sally Halford. The couple would have two children, Mike and Sarah. In 1970, Layton would graduate from McGill University with a degree in political science. He then moved to Toronto to attend York University, where he would earn his master's in 1971 and a PhD in 1984. His PhD thesis was written on globalization. In 1972, Layton would get involved in civic politics in Toronto, serving as a vote contract organizer for Michael Goldrick, and he would say, quote, I learned that job from these fabulous American draft dodgers who'd all come up. They were Democrat, anti-poverty activists, that sort of stuff. They knew how to campaign, end quote. 
1974, Leighton became a professor at Ryerson University and would spend the next decade teaching there, as well as at the University of Toronto. An activist inspired to be involved in various causes, he would write a book on general public policy during that time, as well as homelessness, the making and unmasking of a crisis. With politics in his blood, Leighton would feel its call and would begin his first steps into politics in 1982. That year, he would be elected to Toronto City Council, serving until 1991. This morning, you could have thrown bowling balls in Alderman's Alley at City Hall, but slowly the Alderman drifted into the office. Jack Layton, the tired but victorious warrior who, along with John Sewell, vanquished Gordon Chong, the incumbent senior Alderman, to score the biggest upset of the night. I think that's not bad. Uh, that's yeah, what I said. Yeah, I think he's more pleased than I am. I've been here before, and he hasn't. So, uh, Well, I'm apprehensive at the same time. We've got an enormous amount of work to do. We found the new Ward 9 alderman, Tom Jacobek, eating breakfast at noon today after celebrating his victory long into the night. As senior alderman, Jacobek becomes the youngest politician ever to sit on Metro Council. Derwin Shea in Ward 1 received congratulations from his constituents. Michael Walker, the new junior alderman in Ward 10, was at work at 8.30 this morning. And for Joanne Campbell, last night's victory marks a return to City Hall. She previously worked as an alderman's assistant at City Hall. Now she's coming back as the boss. So after weeks of wooing the voters, the courting now moves to the back rooms of City Hall as the city's aldermen bargain and bicker over who's going to sit on the city's powerful executive committee. Mayor Eggleton will announce his choices in the next week or so. But insiders are predicting we'll see Rollins, Beavis, and possibly O'Donoghue if he can patch up his differences with the mayor. The fourth seat is open for debate, but there's talk of Ann Johnson, Derwin Shea, and perhaps even John Sewell. But you can be sure that Eggleton will do everything he can to keep his old nemesis from the executive. Alison Smith, CBC News, Toronto City Hall. During that time, he served on the Metropolitan Toronto Council from 1985 to 1988 as well. In the 1982 election, he defeated incumbent Gordon Chong and became one of the most outspoken members of council, including being a very vocal opponent of the Sky Dome project. He quickly became known for his ability to lure in TV cameras and generate headlines. He would ride his bike to nearly every event in the city, and he became a prominent face on council, much to the annoyance of some of his fellow councillors. At one point, he was charged with trespassing for handing out pamphlets at Eaton Centre in support of a unionization drive. Those charges were dropped on the grounds of freedom of expression. Once, he called the entire city council corrupt, and when he was pressed to support the statement, he used Webster's Dictionary to define corrupt as a deterioration from the normal standard. One year after he was elected to council, Leighton and his wife would unfortunately divorce. Two years later, he would meet Olivia Chow in an auction in which he was serving as the auctioneer, and Chow was the interpreter for the Cantonese language observers. They soon realized they were both candidates in the upcoming civic election, and they decided to go for lunch. Three weeks after the auction, they had their first date. When they started dating, Chow's mother did not approve of Leighton. In an effort to win her over, he would attempt to thank her for the dinner by speaking Cantonese. Unfortunately, he accidentally said, thank you for the good sex. Leighton would say later, quote, My faux pas broke the ice completely. We've been good buddies ever since. End quote. On July 9, 1988, Chow and Leighton would marry at Algonquin Island. Around the same time that Leighton was rising in politics in the 1980s, his father Robert would join the Progressive Conservative Party and was elected to Parliament in the 1984 election. He would serve until 1993 when he retired from politics upon his diagnosis with prostate cancer. 
During his time in Parliament, Leighton was the Minister of State for Mines from 1984 to 1986. In 1985, Jack Leighton would change his political style after going to meet one of his brothers at a downtown bar. He would say, quote, He's introducing me to his buddies, and one of them, he's had several beers, says, Oh, you're Jack Leighton. I thought your name was but Jack Leighton. You know, you read the paper, the mayor proposes this but Jack Leighton, or they want to do this but Jack Leighton. The jive stung. I was opposing things. End quote. Leighton began to try and be more constructive on council and proposed rather than opposed. Throughout his years on council, Leighton was known for having unkempt hair and wearing blue jeans to council meetings. But in 1991, he decided to run for mayor and he began to change his image. He would abandon his glasses and wear contact lenses and he started to wear suits rather than the blue jeans. With his decision to run, he became the first official NDP candidate to run for mayor. Unfortunately, the provincial NDP government of Bob Ray was unpopular at the time, and many criticized Leighton for opposing Toronto's bid to host the 1996 Olympics. On November 12th, Leighton lost the election by a considerable margin. That same month, he would co-found the White Ribbon Campaign, which was made up of men working to end male violence against women. He would also found the Green Catalyst Group, which was an environmental consulting business. In 1993, Leighton would run for Parliament for the first time as an NDP candidate, but he would not win. In 1997, he tried again, but once again was unable to win the election in his riding. Leighton would return to municipal politics in 1994 as a councillor of the Metropolitan Toronto Council, and he would serve until 2003. Leighton was known for his love of Star Trek and could be seen wearing a tailor-made Starfleet uniform at Star Trek conventions, including one famous photo from 1991. At one point, he was running to be the president of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, and he would invite everyone to his hotel room for an impromptu concert. Alberta NDP leader Brian Mason would say, quote, He would gather people together in his hotel room and play the guitar and get everybody singing old folk songs from the 1960s. He just got people involved just with his personality, not with politics, end quote. In 2003, Leighton decided to make another run at federal politics. Without a seat in Parliament, Leighton made the decision to run for the leadership of the federal NDP. Leighton would run on the fact that he was a former president of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and was abreast on national issues, which he could bring to the national stage. And rather than court existing members, Leighton worked at bringing in new members to the party, which would help bolster the party and his support base at the same time. Toronto has been invaded by new Democrats. They're here to elect a new leader, and the front runner is a man who cut and sharpened his teeth on this city's politics. For months, Jack Layton has been bouncing around the country, trawling for votes and raising his national profile. Tomorrow, he finds out if it worked. Christina Lewan looks at the man and his politics. <laughs> He's the man of the people, the intellectual, the showman. But the bare-naked ladies rose up from that eviction. And the show-off. For the federal NDP, Jack Layton is a bit of a novelty. A flashy media darling running to lead a party that usually seems unconcerned by such qualities. Hey Paul, hey Paul, I'm a homeless man. But if street protests like this peace rally are where the NDP must try to find new recruits, then Leighton may be what the party is looking for. We say to George Bush as Canadians, read our Canadian lips. We say peace, not war. 
His activist credentials are unquestionable. For three decades, he's been at the forefront of issues from clean air to gay rights. He founded the International White Ribbon Campaign to draw attention to violence against women after the Montreal massacre. What about the new housing? But above all, Jack Layton is a profoundly political person, a man literally married to politics. His wife, Olivia Chow, is a Toronto city councillor and a rare match for his drive. If politics was a convenience store, he'd be 7-Eleven. I mean, he, he is just there all the time. The leadership election was the first to be conducted based on a one-member, one-vote system. It was also the first election in Canadian history to allow internet voting. Layton would begin his election campaign on July 22, 2002, and quickly gained several big-name endorsements, including that of former NDP leader Ed Broadbent. In a result that shocked many, Layton won the leadership race on the first ballot with 51.4% of the vote, and over double the votes of the next nearest challenger. In the process, he beat five other challengers, including three who were currently sitting as members of Parliament. Layton was able to win over voters from both the established arm of the party and the left-wing party. For many, the win by Layton was seen as a signal that the party members were more united and ready to move farther to the left, away from the Liberals who were left-centre. All afternoon, the tension built as the results of the first ballot were delayed again and again. That we will have results for you within 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes became 30, then 40. And when they were finally announced, a shock. Bill Blakey, 14,365.4121. One. Jack Layton, 31,149.9502. No one, not even the most confident Layton supporter, nor Layton himself, expected a first ballot victory of 53%. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. The disappointment for Bill Blakey, obvious. An MP from Manitoba for 23 years, in the end, he received less than 25% of the votes. Most here, however, were elated. I think from now on, the NDP is going to be a party that, to be reckoned with. I think it's great for the party. I think it gives a lot of new energy, a lot of hope. In his victory speech, Leighton spoke of the need to make changes, the need to make the NDP more relevant in Canadian politics. Thank you for wanting to put issues back on the table in Canadian politics, our issues and our values. Now, I know that I must earn your faith, and I will do everything I can to engender a sense of trust and enthusiasm in those of you who were working on the other campaigns. Jack Layton first entered politics in 1982. He was elected to Toronto City Council, a position he has held for most of the past two decades. During that time, Layton has become an impassioned advocate for the homeless. He also founded the White Ribbon Campaign, to bring attention to violence against women. Despite losing, Blakey will probably have to lead the NDP charge in the House of Commons. And I look forward to working with you and my caucus colleagues. I'm sure I'll share the same sentiment. Moments after leaving the stage, Leighton got a congratulatory phone call from the Prime Minister. And we look forward to helping you uh, move your agenda in our direction. The challenge now is to be transformed from a longtime municipal politician in Toronto to the leader of a national party. On that score, he says he has no plans to seek a seat in the House of Commons soon, 
He says he plans to wait until the next federal election to do that. Raj Alawaya, CBC News, Toronto. Suddenly on the national stage, Layton's charisma and energy was immediately popular with voters and his party quickly started to rise in the polls. Even not being in the House of Commons, Layton was making nationwide news for his attacks on Prime Minister Paul Martin, calling him a conservative and stating the Liberal Party was more right-wing now. By the end of 2003, Layton was helping the NDP poll higher than the Progressive Conservatives and the Canadian Alliance. A year after winning the leadership election, Layton would go into his first election on June 28, 2004. At the time, the party was polling at the same level it did during its 1980 successes. The campaign would focus on gaining seats in urban centres in Canada, and the party's platform focused on catering to those regions, while Layton would spend his time mostly in the areas of Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa and Winnipeg. During one stop in Toronto, Layton would place the blame on homeless deaths directly on Martin, stating, quote, The deaths due to homelessness in the city took a rapid rise immediately after Paul Martin cancelled the Affordable Housing Program, and their names stand in testimony to the neglect that he's reigned on our city, end quote. The remark would result in the Liberals demanding an apology from Layton. The election was a success for Layton and the NDP. For one, Layton was elected to the Parliament in the riding of Toronto Danforth. As well, the party doubled its share of the vote count to 15.7% and increased its party seat count to 19. After the election, there was talk between Stephen Harper and Gilles Duceppe of creating a coalition government with Layton and the NDP. The three leaders appeared in a joint press conference expressing their intent to cooperate on changing parliamentary rules, and a month later, Layton would walk out on talks with Harper and Duceppe, accusing them of trying to replace Paul Martin with Harper as Prime Minister. The NDP was now a stronger party in the House of Commons since the Liberals had won their first minority government since 1972. This necessitated the need for support from the NDP to keep the government from falling. Between 2004 and 2005, the NDP were able to get the Liberal government to spend more money on infrastructure and social programs, they blocked the government's involvement in the U.S. missile defense system, and helped ensure the passing of the same-sex marriage legislation. Due to Layton's constructive approach in Parliament, his profile rose in the country and he became more popular as a result. Heading into the 2006 election, the NDP and Layton were both hoping for larger gains from the last election. Attacks would start almost immediately against Layton. Mike Klander, vice president of the Ontario wing of the federal Liberals, would compare Layton's wife, Olivia Chow, to a Chow Chow dog, and he would call Layton an a-hole. Through the campaign, Layton put himself on record as a champion of universal health care. Public opinion polls also found that Canadians saw Layton as the most appealing and charismatic of the leaders. Layton would tell Canadians, quote, Canadians have a third choice, end quote. Layton would also distance his party from the Liberals by attacking the Liberals over their scandals. Layton believed that the NDP could have power in the House of Commons by keeping a likely conservative minority in check. In the January 23, 2006 election, the NDP increased their seat count by 11, reaching 29 seats. Layton's wife, Olivia, was also elected in that election, helping to make her and Layton a powerful couple in national politics. They were also the second husband-wife team in Canadian parliamentary history. A leadership convention was soon held after the election, and Layton received an approval rating of 90% from his party. With the Conservatives now in power with a minority government, they turned to the NDP for support to keep the government from falling. Once again, with more power in Parliament, Layton and the NDP were able to make amendments to increase the strength of the Clean Air Act. He did this by stating that he would move a motion of non-confidence against the government unless the bill was improved. 
Harper agreed, and it was passed on November 19, 2006. He also pushed the government to apologize to the indigenous for residential schools, which it did in 2008. Before delivering the apology, Harper would thank Layton. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Before I begin officially, let me just take a moment to acknowledge the role of certain colleagues uh, here in the House of Commons in today's events. Although uh, the responsibility for the apology is ultimately mine alone, uh, mine alone there are uh, several of my colleagues who do deserve the credit. Uh, first of all, for their hard work and professionalism, I do want to thank both the Minister of Indian Affairs and his predecessor, now the Minister of Industry. Uh, these uh, gentlemen have both uh, uh, been strong and passionate advocates, not just of today's actions, but also of the historic, historic Indian residential school settlement uh, that our government has signed. Second. Second, I would be amiss if I didn't acknowledge my former colleague from Caribou Chihotan, Philip Mayfield, who was a determined voice in our caucus for a very long time for meaningful action on this sad episode of our history. And last but certainly not least, I do want to thank my colleague, the leader of the New Democratic Party. For the past year, in fact the past year and a half, that he has spoken to me with regularity and with great conviction on the need for this apology. His advice across party lines and in confidence has been persuasive and has been greatly appreciated. The government would eventually fall and Leighton would go into his third election in four years. The NDP, which had previously campaigned as an alternative choice to the Liberals and Conservatives without a plan to get elected, would shift gears this election and Jack Layton would state that he was campaigning for the position of Prime Minister. Layton would say at one campaign stop, quote, You deserve strong leadership on climate change. You deserve a Prime Minister who is going to stand up to the big polluters and the boardroom table interests when it comes to the environment. On October 14th, I'm asking for your support to be that Prime Minister. End quote. In his first week of the campaign, Layton seemed to be everywhere. The charter jet he used would travel 13,484 kilometers, touching down in 11 cities. Some critics would state that Layton was trying to be Barack Obama after giving a speech similar to his. Layton would deny this, stating, quote, I mean, I am a lot shorter than he is. He is a brilliant speaker. I'm never going to claim to be that. But what I have noticed is that the key issues faced by the American middle class, the working people of the U.S., and their concerns about their families are awfully similar to the issues that I hear in Canada. End quote. Bob Ray, now with the Liberal Party, would write on his blog, quote, Jack Layton thinks he's Obama. What a joke. He is Ralph Nader. End quote. Originally, Layton, along with Harper and Duceppe, opposed including Green Party leader Elizabeth May in the televised leader debates. He would change his stance after it drew criticism from his own party, though, and he would state, quote, This whole issue of debating about the debate has become a distraction to the real debate that needs to happen. I have only one condition for this debate, and that the Prime Minister is there. End quote. In the October 14, 2008 election, the NDP would continue their gains, rising another seven seats to reach 30. On December 1, 2008, the three opposition leaders would sign an accord that laid down the basis for a coalition government against the Conservatives. The proposed structure would give the NDP six cabinet seats. The Bloc Québécois would not formally be a part of the coalition, though, until 2011. Into 2009, Layton continually opposed the Harper government, 
pledging that the NDP would vote against the Conservative budget. The Liberals would then support the budget, preventing an election. Leighton would state, quote, Today we've learned that you can't trust Mr. Ignatieff to oppose Mr. Harper. If you oppose Mr. Harper and you want a new government, I urge you to support the NDP. End quote. Later that year, 89.25% of the NDP party voted against holding a leadership convention to replace Leighton. Using his party's increased power, Leighton introduced the Climate Change Accountability Act, which aimed to make Canada the first country to adopt scientific targets to cut climate change emissions by 80% by 2050. On February 5, 2010, Leighton announced that he'd been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And in 2011, the government once again fell, and Leighton went into his fourth election since 2004. But this election would be much different for his party. Leighton wasted no time in getting on the campaign trail, visiting Ottawa on the first day of the campaign, and then going to Edmonton later that same day. Some questioned if Leighton was healthy enough to lead the party in the election due to his recent hip surgery, but Leighton would insist he was healthy enough to lead. The NDP would have an expansive platform that promised to cap credit card rates, ban all forms of usage-based billing by internet service providers, a doubling of the Canada Pension Plan benefits, a 4,500 job creation tax credit to all businesses per new hire, hiring 2,500 more police officers to patrol streets, and a $30 billion spending platform and a promise to balance the budget in four years. On April 8th, the NDP were polling at 13.2%, but on April 16th, the party had reached 25% in the polls. The surge began in Quebec, with the NDP beginning to surpass the Bloc Québécois and then surging throughout Canada. With the NDP suddenly surging ahead, the attacks of all the other party members turned towards the party in an effort to stem its sudden surge in popularity. By April 9th, polls still had the Conservatives with a commanding lead of 41%, while the Liberals had dipped to 26%, and the NDP were still rising at 19%. Two weeks later, on April 22nd, the Conservatives would be cruising to a majority government with 43%, while the NDP sat at 24%. The Liberals, in contrast, fell to 21%. On April 29, 2011, only days before the election, a retired police officer stated that he had found Leighton naked in a massage parlor when police, looking for underage prostitutes, raided the establishment in the mid-1990s. No charges were laid and Leighton said there was no wrongdoing as he had simply went for a massage at a community clinic and did not return after police advised him not to. Gilles Duceppe dismissed the claim as well, while Ignatieff and Harper would not comment on the report. Many people criticized the story as a blatant smear campaign against Leighton due to the surging popularity of the NDP. A poll done after the story came out found that public opinion of Leighton had actually gone from 80% to 97%, beating both Harper and Ignatieff. The polling company believed that this improvement was due to sympathy for Leighton, feeling he was being unfairly maligned. Olivia Chow would state, quote, 16 years ago, my husband went for a massage at a massage clinic that is registered with the City of Toronto. He exercises regularly. He was and remains in great shape and he needed a massage. No one was more surprised than my husband when the police informed him of allegations of potential wrongdoing at this establishment. End quote. The same day that the story broke, the Conservatives sat at 38%, while the NDP had 33%, and the Liberals had collapsed to 18%. In the May 2, 2011 election, the Orange Crush swept through Quebec, winning 59 of 75 seats and reducing the Bloc Québécois to only four seats. The NDP finished with its most seats in the history of the party when it surged ahead with a 67-seat gain that earned the party 103 seats in the House of Commons, making it the official opposition. Where the Conservatives didn't triumph, the NDP did, and no more so than in Quebec. 
the party got 43% of the vote in the province, leading, leaving every other party in the dust. So why? What drove the sudden fervent affection for a party that's been around half a century? And will it last? Adrian Arsenault went to find out. They fell hard and fast in Quebec. And what may have started is just a few stirrings of emotion for the cane-waving stamina and that charm became full-blown Jack Layton fandom in this moment. Jack Layton. His appearance on one of Quebec's highest-rated shows, Tout le monde en part. It's a star machine, and Layton was considered funny and frank, his French good. He disarmed a province that until now had passed his party by. I'm doing all this for my granddaughter, he said. Monsieur Jack Layton! The courtship was complete, and an English-Canada-based leader of a Federalist party brazenly grabbed crowds right on the block doorsteps. And so the orange wave, the orange flood, the orange crush. This is like what happened in Quebec last night. They fell for his positive side, you know, like he said, you know, like, yes, I smile. And I think people liked it. I overcame cancer. This is also very yeah, popular. You know, like, I'm sorry to say it, but all this, people sort of sympathize with Jack Layton. Lisa Frilla and Marie Gregoire, former parliamentarians, part of a show called Le Club des Ex, where talk of Jack Layton's fortunes carried them incredulously through the day. Old staples carried Montrealers through election night. This is Poutine Jacko, potentially now a big sub. After yesterday? I hope so. <laughs> Substance on matters of social programs and constitutional talks is what the faithful here say helped sell Quebec on Leighton. Substance, not charisma. But I think that the NPD uh, represented more the opinion of the youth. The NDP do sound a bit like uh, the Bloc Québécois at times. And so that probably made it easier for the transition. But the realization is dawning now that some of these new NDP MPs are rather green for this orange wave. Some criticized for not speaking French, for not ever having actual jobs, not even being in the riding during the campaign. Very new. Some people think I'm too young. Some people laugh. But it's, when they talk to me, they realize that I'm intelligent. I have vision for the future. So can the affection last? The novelty could soon wear off, and that's where the NDP knows it needs to be careful here. This is a province with a history of political mood swings, and as loyal as people can seem now, the voters of Quebec can turn fast. Just four years ago, the charms of Mario Dumont set Quebecers veering right en masse provincially with the Action Démocratique. Now that party is effectively dead. Jack Layton may need to watch the promises he's making or else. If he doesn't manage those expectations, people out there think that, yeah, he's going to solve our problem. No, he won't. The only influence he has is a power of perhaps influencing. That's all. Here, either you deliver or you don't. And, and you don't have a lot of time to do so. You know, like uh, they make their mind quite, uh, quite quickly. Eager for change, this passionate province. Eager for a politician to now start returning the affections. Adrian Arsenault, CBC News, Montreal. This was the first time a non-liberal or conservative party was not the official opposition since the Bloc Quebecois in 1993. The NDP would have representatives in eight provinces, and even though it had elected no one in Saskatchewan, it still had one-third of the vote there. Layton would state upon his party's result, quote, for the first time in our history, Canadians have asked us to serve as the official opposition. We're going to work very hard. 
each and every day to earn the trust the Canadians have placed in us. I want to say placed in us. I want to say that I've always favoured proposition over opposition. End quote. The high point would come at a cost, it seemed to Leighton, who had beaten cancer only a year previous. He then hit the campaign trail with high enthusiasm and vigour, but throughout the campaign those around him saw changes. He was perspiring more and complained of pain and stiffness, which was attributed to his hip surgery and his busy schedule. Then he began to lose weight and tests were scheduled for after the election. Parliament reconvened on June 2nd and Leighton would take his seat as the leader of the opposition. On June 24th, he was supposed to take part in the Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day Parade in Montreal, but he told his press secretary he couldn't walk the route. Even with the pain he was dealing with, Leighton would still lead a filibuster over back-to-work legislation for Canada Post, standing and speaking for an entire hour on June 23rd. On July 25, 2011, he announced he would be taking a temporary leave from his duties as he was now fighting a second cancer. He would state he would be back in the House of Commons by the time it resumed on September 19th, 2011. On August 22, 2011, at 4.45 a.m., Leighton died in his home, becoming the first opposition leader since Sir Wilfrid Laurier to die while in office. The rebels now control large areas of the capital, but there is still a lot of resistance and fierce pockets as well. Sally Sarar is a freelance correspondent based in Tripoli. He joins us now. Oh, just hold on for just a... Okay, just hold on for just one quick second. Our chief correspondent, Peter Mansbridge. Yeah, I'm joining sorry. Joining me right I, here. I got to... Uh, we've got some difficult news to uh, tell viewers, and I've just been able to confirm it. Um, while we're watching these pictures from Tripoli, obviously this is an incredible story going on there. But there is a uh, major story about to break in this country. And uh, sadly, it's about Jack Layton. Um, we all know that Mr. Layton uh, has been fighting a battle, a very difficult battle with cancer. We last saw him in late July when he announced he was going in for one uh, real struggle against the, the disease. But unfortunately, uh, a couple of hours ago, we've learned that uh, he passed away. Uh, just before 5 o'clock Toronto time, uh, with his family around him, and uh, the struggle has ended for Jack Layton, I mean, very quickly. I mean, we saw, I think we all knew when we saw those pictures in late July that this was a difficult situation. Uh, but it went very fast in the uh, month since then. We'll be, of course, having ongoing coverage of all. Mm -hmm. It's hard to take this uh, in, in... Yeah, no, exactly. June the 2nd, May the 2nd, the, the victory for the NDP, the leader of the official opposition, his party's greatest political success ever in yeah. a moment of such personal triumph for him. And then it was just devastating in July to see how much weight he had lost, the strength of his voice. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is a tragedy on so many levels. Um, politically, for, for Leighton and for the NDP reaching the heights that they reached on May 2nd. Throughout the nation, there was an outpouring of grief. In his last letter written to NDP supporters, Leighton had said, quote, My friends, love is better than anger. Hope is better than fear. Optimism is better than despair. So let us be loving, hopeful, and optimistic, and we will change the world. End quote. 
public celebration of life will be held for Jack Layton in Courtney this weekend. The Comox Valley NDP Constituency Association and the Vancouver Island North NDP Riding Association will be honoring Layton's life and political accomplishments. The event takes place at the Florence Philberg Center this Saturday at 10.30 in the morning. There will be live television coverage of the state funeral for Jack Layton from Ottawa. That begins at 11 in the morning on Saturday and an opportunity to sign a book of condolences as well. The death of Jack Layton has become one of the main topics of conversation on social media sites such as Facebook and Twitter. Quotes and paraphrases from Layton's letter to Canadians are being posted by Canadians from all walks of life and political backgrounds. Tonight, a University of Victoria social media professor says the internet has become a non-stop candlelight vigil. When word of Jack Layton's death became public, people across Canada and around the world immediately began sharing their thoughts online. Quotes and paraphrases from Layton's letter to Canadians began appearing on social media sites such as Facebook and Twitter. In Canada, rest in peace Jack Layton was trending. Olivia Chow in Toronto was uh, trending as well. University of Victoria professor Janai Aragon says social media is a new way for people to mourn and feel connected, a non-stop candlelight vigil. It's a way for people to rally around the Canadian flag or at least the um, NDP. And we're also witnessing the way in which this is crossing partisan lines. Lots of people are posting, while I never voted NDP, we've lost a great man. And then they quote want, um, a sentence from his letter. It is a rare event in Canadian history for an opposition leader or prime minister to die in office. It last happened in 1919, when then-opposition leader Sir Wilfrid Laurier died after a stroke. At his funeral, thousands lined the streets of Ottawa. It was one of the first public events in Canada to be recorded on film. But now, mourning has become a 24-7 public eulogy. It's the way people grieve nowadays. There's blogs about this sort of thing as well. So many people who previously perhaps weren't supportive of even the NDP platform, but were at least supportive and respectful um, toward Jack Layton, have come out. Public memorials have also sprung up in several cities, including Montreal, Ottawa and Victoria, as people come together to share their grief. He was forever praising the sacrifices of others who campaigned on his behalf and downplaying the sacrifices he made in his own life. I think we've all lost a friend and a remarkable Canadian leader. You know, it was his energy and his hope, his sense of hope and uh, his courage that really inspired me. Always looking forward, always convinced we could do better, and always willing to call on the best in everybody. And while the online eulogy will likely continue for many more days, it's up to you. Jack Layton's message of love, hope, and optimism will live on for generations. There is a large outpouring of grief in Canada over the news of Layton's death. A spontaneous vigil in Montreal drew hundreds of people the day he died, all holding candles to remember Layton. In Alberta, another candlelight vigil was held on the steps of the provincial legislature. Prime Minister Stephen Harper would say Layton would be remembered for, quote, the force of his personality and his dedication to public life. We have all lost an engaging personality and a man of strong principles, end quote. Harper would also speak of how Layton was a natural musician and the two of them had always talked about playing together since Harper could play the piano. Harper would state, quote, It seemed we were both always too busy. I will always regret the jam session that never was. That is a reminder, I think, that we must always make time for friends, family, and loved ones while we still can. End quote. Bob Ray, now the interim leader of the Liberal Party, would state, quote, The upbeat thing that you saw, the media saw, that the Canadian public saw, 
was not different from what I saw, even in private. End quote. Former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien would state, quote, He worked extremely hard for a long, long period of time, and just before he passed away, he had for his party a fantastic success. It is a big loss for the NDP, and a very big loss for Canada too. End quote. Another former Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney, would say of Leighton, quote, I think history will remember his historic achievement of transforming the NDP from really a prairie party, in many ways, into a genuine national party with tremendous achievement in Quebec. End quote. Around the same time that the Mercer report started, the NDP surprised everyone by choosing Jack Layton as their leader. Now, being from the East Coast, I didn't know anything about Jack. All I knew was that the NDP had made a terrible mistake electing a Toronto city councillor with a groovy moustache as leader of a national party. So really, what do I know? Over the next eight years, Canadians got to know Jack, and as leader of his party, he became a regular guest on this show. And because he happened to be my member of parliament, and he liked to drink beer, and I live near Allen's pub, we got to do that too. He was a great MP, he was a great friend of the show. We're going to miss him very much. My own MP, another singer and guitar player, Mr. Jack Layton. Good to see you. A constituent of mine. And, yes, sir. Uh, I, I'm appealing to you to Let's consider the, the NDP. I know. We're not going to talk about the NDP now. We've got to get on the bus. What was the tour like? Well, How do you get along with the journalists? <laughs> it's a dialectical relationship. What does that mean? Uh, complex. Complex. And, uh, but it can produce a positive um, uh, result at the end of the day. Now, speaking of positive results, I heard you brought the guitar out a few times. Uh, we did a few times, yes. Uh, Jack, Jack, you can't go doing that, Jack. Well, why not? What songs did you do? Well, we, we went back to the 60s. Oh. We sang the old Bob what? Dylan stuff. Oh, Jack! The, the Times, They Are Changing oh, was a big hit. Oh, Jack, you're yes. killing me. What else? <laughs> well, we did get on to Barrett's Privateers. Oh! But, of course, you don't use the guitar when you're... You didn't pass out song uh, sheets. I beg your pardon? Did you pass out song sheets? Song books, not song oh, sheets. Oh, Jack, mother. How about if we gave you the tambourine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or a jar with lentils in it. There's a good MVP. Didn't you always a hate... Gourd. Didn't you always hate that person at the kitchen party who wanted to put lentils in a jar and play that? Never. You never, never hated that. that person, no. No, because that was a, a voter. Did you vote for him? Yeah, I voted for him. The ah. last time I was uh, able to vote. Uh, oh, yeah? Was that your first time voting? Yeah, it was my first time voting. Excellent. Jack Layton, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. I got uh, right. Uh, that, uh, did you vote for him because he knows Chinese? No, because he's trustful. I, I see that he can make a Toronto difference. I vote for him. Gee, that's pretty good yeah. endorsement. Take All right. care. Okay. All right. Here's Did you just palm him 20? Yeah. I saw $20. There we go. And see how easy that is? Now, don't you try to steer. You're driving. I'm driving, and you're just enjoying the view. Who's catching? You know what? The, the back person is called the stoker. Is that what you call it? You're supposed to have the good Not legs. in my world, my friend. How are you, Jack? You didn't take my bag or anything, did you? No, not to carry a bag. Just going to so hop a ride welcome. for a few days. Is that good? Yeah, of course. Excellent. After yeah, you, after sir. You. After no, you. after you. No, I insist. Please. Okay. We'll go up together. <laughs> Let's talk coalition government, because it's a very exciting idea. It's exciting in the sense that I, I've never witnessed one in my lifetime. Well, all I can say is that in the history of our party, mm -hmm. We've always worked with others to try and get results. That's not going to change. in government. You we've like the idea. With, we've always worked with others. You could be in cabinet with Bob Ray. You know how to poke a guy, don't you? That would drive you mad. So you have prostate cancer, and you have to go on television, and you have to tell the entire world because you happen to be in public life. What was that like? 
uh, it was kind of liberating, actually, because walking around not telling people right. uh, felt weird and strange. Mm-hmm. I feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia's got me on this diet that's you oh. know just unbelievably healthy. Really, that must and be awful. It's is it? uh, well, you know, uh, really? it's uh, like. Can it's, you have a steak? Uh, no. On August 25th and 26th, a state funeral was held for Layton. He was the first official opposition leader to be given a state funeral when one was not required. Typically, state funerals were reserved for prime ministers, cabinet ministers, and governors general who died in office. Layton would be the first opposition leader who never led government to be given a state funeral. Prime Minister Harper had made the offer for a state funeral to Olivia Chow and she accepted. And through the two days, thousands of people came through to honour Layton. The flag on Parliament Hill's Peace Tower was also put at half-mast to honour him. At his state funeral, Michael Ignatieff, former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, Governor General David Johnston, and Prime Minister Stephen Harper all attended. After his funeral, Leighton was cremated, and a portion of his ashes were put under a jack pine that was planted on Toronto Island in his honour. Another portion was put on the Leighton family plot in St. Charles United Church in Hudson, Quebec, and a third portion was scattered under a memorial sculpted by Chow on the first anniversary of Leighton's death. Leighton has been honoured extensively in Canada since his death. The Jack Leighton Ferry Terminal in Toronto opened in 2013, and a bronze statue of Leighton riding a tandem bicycle was installed there. Jack Leighton Way in Toronto was also named for him in 2013, and Ryerson University created the Jack Leighton Chair in the Department of Politics and Public Administration. Jack Leighton Park in his hometown was named for him in 2012, and the national headquarters of the federal NDP is also named the Jack Leighton Building. In 2021, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh proposed changing the name of Toronto Danforth to Danforth Layton to honour him. Singh would say, quote, I saw him as a happy warrior. I saw him as someone who gave his whole heart because he believed in people. He believed in fighting for them. End quote. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room, or many people in this room, have stories of how Jack inspired them or mentored them. Uh, all of us, in some ways, are probably here today because of the inspiration that Jack led and the, the movement that he built. I remember when I first met Jack, he took me to the side. I was running as a, a candidate to become a member of parliament in the 2011 election, and we were just finishing up the call today parade. So he took me to the side and he said to me, you know, a lot of people are gonna tell you because we've never won in, in Brampton that it's not possible, that it can't be done. People are gonna tell you that our dream of building a better Canada where no one's left behind, they're gonna tell you it's impossible that it can't be done. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said to me, don't let them tell you it can't be done. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Jack Layton. Next week, we're looking at Nicole Turner. If you like, you can email me at craig at You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, 
Quentin Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Now Toronto, CTV, CBC, Global News, Maclean's, Wikipedia, NDP.ca, Montreal Gazette, Calgary Herald, National Post, The Ottawa Citizen, and The Vancouver Sun. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.